All right. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Hey, welcome to everybody live here in the room right now, everyone who is joining us online, everyone at all sites and venues. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Matt. I'm the senior pastor here at Blackhawk, and uh, it's so good to have a chance to be able to, uh, to be together. So we did have an amazing event here this past Friday night uh, that I just wanted to mention for a minute. We had another one of our baptism services. And you all, our, our baptism services that we do here at Blackhawk, honestly, like, they're some of my favorite services that we do. And the reason why, we had a chance to baptize 24 people. We heard 24 stories of people whose lives have been changed by the message of the gospel. And there were about 400 people here to be able to take that in and hear those stories, including one story from a young woman from our church named Sam that I wanted to share with you for just a minute. So take a look at the screens right now. Hi, my name is Samantha. Growing up, I went to church with my great-grandparents every weekend I possibly could. Um, just a little like country church in the middle of nowhere. As I grew up, I kind of straight away, I think a lot of people do, because you're, you're little, you're young, you're kind of going with grandparents, you're kind of used to going. Uh, so I stopped going. Uh, down middle school, I had friends who were going to church camps. So I was like, well, I'll try it out again. But I've always had got, like Jesus in my life, God in my life, like all of that. But it was never something I truly I guess knew the meaning of until I graduated high school in 2022. I didn't take the traditional college route of going to college for four years. I moved cross country 1500 miles with no one. And I was so lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have my mom and dad anymore. I was on my own to figure it out and I needed somewhere to turn. So I found a church nearby and I started going to church and I felt myself become myself again. And that's when I knew that's that's where I needed to be. So I ended up coming back home and I was broken because I didn't know what to do anymore because I wasn't with my church. And I have a lovely friend who introduced me to Blackhawk and I started coming here and I never felt the presence of home and comfort in a place before coming here. And I, my relationship with Jesus has just, I don't even like explain it. It's been insane since I started coming here. And from there, I started working with B Kids, and that has not, that has just helped so much being able to help little ones with their journey, and it just has helped deepen my journey even more. I'm getting baptized because I finally think I truly know where my relationship is with Jesus, and it's something that I want to publicly talk about. I don't, talk, I never used to talk about my relationship with. Jesus at all. It was something I kept to myself and more recently anyone who asks about it, I'm so excited to tell. So that to me was a telltale sign that I was ready to be baptized. Sam, because of, Sam, because of your faith in Jesus and him alone for your salvation, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ. The grace to walk a new life. Yeah, you can definitely clap for that. 
And look, that was just one of 24 stories that you got to hear that night. And uh, it happened uh, right across the hall uh, in our West Side Auditorium, so where Gospel Fusion is happening right now. That's where our baptismal was placed because that's the way we created our building in 2007. But because it's in that room and not in this room, we don't have the ability to be able to stream that to the people from our church. So it was only the 400 who were there that night, 400 plus, who were able to see that and take that in. All kinds of family members from all around the country and friends of those people that didn't get to see it because we don't have a way to stream it. The same thing is true of our Fitchburg venue, where we have a baptismal that is there, but no way to be able to have people see those services. And it's not just those services in those rooms, but but weddings that we do, and funerals, where with every funeral, the opportunity to be able to share the gospel within that service, uh, classes that we do. And so we just continue to look at the ways that we need to improve things around here. Last week, I had the chance to get up here and talk for just a minute about this new initiative, this new campaign that we are doing between now and June of 2025 called Project Tech. And I shared about the fact that this building that was built 17 years ago, we're still running a lot of the foundational technical system that was set up for us to be able to do what we did back at that time. And that is so outdated in comparison to what we need today as a foundation. We've updated certain things, but we just, it gets to the point, it starts to feel like you're duct taping things together. And so I talked about for us as a church family, it's kind of like our, our furnace in the basement is making noise. And we've got to pay attention to that. And so there is that side of making sure that we can continue to do what we've been doing. But there's also this future that we need to look at of the ways that we can continue to share the message of Jesus with as many people as possible and having the opportunity to have different services like that that go out not just to people in Dane County but around the country and around the world who would tune in for something like that. It's something that we should pay attention to. On top of that, with Project Tech, the other thing that we want to do is uh, to upgrade a lot of our security within our children's ministry area with cameras that would be in all rooms at all sites and all venues. And, uh, and then on top of that, there's opportunities we have within our multicultural ministry. We continue to grow as a multicultural ministry in some really fantastic ways. Y'all, we continue to see more and more people who are coming to Blackhawk, not who just speak Mandarin, but who speak all kinds of languages, including Spanish. And we have seen more and more Spanish-speaking people who have been coming to our church. And so because of that, we started a Bible study that actually happens here at our Brader Way location during our nine o'clock service. Altogether, right now, we have somewhere around 40 people from around about 17 different languages who are meeting and doing a Bible study together, and then we'll come to service, but some of them don't speak English. And so this technology, the different things that we would do to upgrade would give us the ability in a much greater way to be able to offer our services live to people in the room here where they could hear it in their own heart language. And so these are just some of the things that we're looking to do that we get excited about with the potential and possibility of what God might have for our church family and the way that we can keep reaching more people. And so altogether, I mentioned last week, we, uh, we need to raise in order for this to happen for all sites, all venues to do what we're being, what's being recommended that we do about $3.5 million. And of that, we have over a million that is already in through intentions and gifts. 
and uh, so, but we still have a ways to go. So I didn't mention last week when I got up here, what do you do if you're interested in, in being a part of it? Well, you can, either, you can either scan this QR code or we have that on little sheets out in the atrium at every one of our sites and venues. You can also go to this website that is there or you can text the word Project Tech to 608-618-4003. Any of those will get you to our webpage where we have information about everything with Project Tech. And from there, you can read more information. Here's what I would love for, to ask you to do, is would you just, as a, as a family or as an individual, prayerfully consider the way that you could be about what it is that we're doing? Uh, and then you can click on the page where it says intention. You can create your intention of what you might be willing to give, either as a one-time gift or monthly between now and 2025. That intention lets us know where we're at with our goal. And our hope is that everyone's intentions would be in by March 10th so that we can make plans on what we're going to be able to do financially uh, in order to get as much of this project done as possible. So March 10th is a big day for you. If you would be willing to pray and consider that, we would greatly appreciate it. I just believe that what God has in store for us as a church is we don't just look at what he's calling us to right now, but in the future. I just believe it's massive. And uh, we want to keep up with the things that God continues to lay in our lap. So would you take a minute right now just to pray with me as we just continue down this, uh, this path that God has us on as a church? So let's pray. God, thank you for all of the ways that you continue to use our church. I just feel like we just keep stumbling into things that you have in store for us in the future. I never would have thought years ago that I would be standing up here on, on video uh, you know, giving a message and praying for us at a church at different sites, different venues with an online service with people who are joining us around the country and around the world. And God, we have no idea what it is you have in store for us in the future, but I pray that you would continue to help us as a church keep our eyes fixed on you and move in the directions that you have in store for us. So would you just continue to give us wisdom and discernment as we strive to do that? As we move through this, this initiative and campaign, I pray, Father, that you would be the one to lead us and guide us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, all God's people together said, amen. Well, we are uh, starting a brand new series today, but before I jump into that, I got a question I want to ask. All sites, all venues, this is an all-skate deal for all of us. Raise of hands. How many of you at some point in your life have been to a physical therapist? So, phys <laughs> yeah, look at all of us injured, hurting people. How awesome is that? It could be an injury or an ailment or whatever it is. I could not tell you how many times I have been to physical therapists in my life. Um, and I know we have a bunch of them who go to our church. And let me just tell you, I am so grateful for what it is that you do because I am able to still be active as a human being because of the way that you all have worked in my life. I mean, my injuries during the years, I, um, I can't tell you how many times I sprained my ankles. I had knee surgery at one point for a snowboard injury. I've had shoulder issues that needed to be worked on. I herniated 
a disc in my neck. I mean, like all, the gamut. And so I've always gone to different physical therapists that have helped me with those things. And one of the things that you realize as you go to physical therapists is the things that they tell you and the things they have to do to you are not always all that comfortable, right? Like after, like, um, after uh, my knee surgery, I, like to, I remember they, they brought out this little kind of dull plastic or sometimes it was metal scraper that they had to like rub over scar tissue in my knee. Has anyone had that experience? It feels wonderful, doesn't it? So it's just absolutely horrible. And then, um, and then with my shoulder, with the things that were going on, like they had to stretch it like to places that I didn't think my shoulder was actually supposed to go in order to try to help me get mobility with my knee. You know, as I was coming back, there was swelling and they were trying to get more mobility. And so they would move it. I would feel like it couldn't go any farther. And then you would kind of hear a, do you know that noise? And like it would, but now all of a sudden it can bend a little farther. I didn't know if that noise was a good thing or not. He told me it was a good thing. But, but these are the things that physical therapists put you through. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun, but it helps you. Then on top of that, my physical therapist would give me exercises to do. How many of you have some type of band like this laying somewhere in a drawer at home right now? Yeah, and for my shoulder, like I'm supposed to sit and like do this, you know, while I'm watching TV and then like hook it to, hook it to something on this side and go this direction. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm thinking like, is this doing anything? You know, and so then I would, uh, I would go like in between my appointments, like with not doing any of the exercises and like show of hands, all of us, how many of us have gone, like not done our exercises in between appointments. You all are lying right now. Just a bunch of liars. So I would not do my exercises and then I would come back and then the th he would, he would get out one of these to measure my flexibility of where I was at. And immediately he could tell yeah, you haven't been doing your exercises, but he was kind and he would say, so have you been doing your exercises? And I would be like, no. And he would, I remember there was one guy who was helping me with my shoulder. There had been a couple visits where I had not done my exercises and he looked at me. He's like, hey, Matt, listen, if your goal is to not ever get your shoulder back and just continue doing life the way that you are, just keep up what you're not doing. I was like, ouch. Like, don't you know about Midwestern nice? You're not supposed to say those things out loud. You're supposed to think them, but not say them, you know? And he just laid into me. But here was, like, here was the reality. My physical therapist wanted me to get back to where I said I wanted to go. I said, yeah, I want to get back to where I can do life the way I'd done it before. I had said it. And he was pushing me to the idea of going, okay, you've said it, but do you really mean it? Because, because we can say things all the time, but it's our actions that really show what it is that we want to be about. And my physical therapist was the person who was going, okay, put your money where your mouth is. In other words, you can say all kinds of things, but are you willing to do it? And he was willing to encourage me and he was willing to make me uncomfortable and he was willing to tell me things that sometimes felt like a punch in the gut. Because overall, his desire was to get me where I needed to go, and it wasn't, always un it wasn't always comfortable. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because, well, Black Hawk Church, we are going to physical therapy all together. Amen. And our new PT is a guy named James. That's right. We are starting into a series this week from this, 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 this New Testament book that's sort of tucked into the second half of the New Testament, five chapters all together with a guy named James who wrote this. Now, a question you should be asking is, okay, who is James? 
because there are a number of different James within scripture. So just to make it clear, this is not James who is a disciple of Jesus. There were actually two of the 12 disciples who were named James. This is neither of them. This is actually James, the brother, the younger brother of Jesus. Now, okay, just think for a minute. What would it have been like to grow up with Jesus as your big brother? Like, what would that have been like in life? You know, like, like, like if somebody does something wrong and nobody's owning up to it, you know, like if there's something broken and nobody's owning up to it and your parents ask, they're like, well, obviously it's not Jesus, you know, like, <laughs> or, or like, or like you come home with like some art project you've been working on at school. You come home and you show, you're showing it to your parents and like Jesus turned water into wine. And you're like, how do I keep up? How do I keep up with any of that? You know, it's like a whole different level of sibling rivalry. And if you grew up with brothers and sisters at all, like what, what would your sibling have to do to make you believe that they were deity? Like that they were actually divine, like the son of God and fully God themselves. You see, in, in, in scripture, we're actually told that Jesus' siblings, they didn't believe that he was who he was saying that he was through his years of ministry. And in fact, there were times where his family actually came to, to get him because they thought that he was out of his mind. You know, it actually wasn't until after Jesus had been crucified and, and risen from the grave and, and, and appeared to his brother James that James actually started to believe. And at that point, everything changed. I mean, he went from the biggest doubter to being like the biggest proponent of big brother Jesus believing that he was not just his big brother, but the son of God and the savior of the world. He became probably the biggest, like the most influential leader in the first early Christian church in Jerusalem. And the interesting thing about that was that was not a fun time to be a Christian. Persecution, if you read through the book of Acts, broke out all throughout all kinds of Christians who were being arrested and tried, some of them being killed for their faith. And because of that, Christians scattered all throughout the known world at that time. And so James, being the leader of the church, continued to step into those moments. It was the thing actually that got him martyred sometime around 60 AD where he was killed for his faith. But sometime before that, between we believe the years 45 and 50 AD, he wrote this letter to all of the scattered believers in order to encourage them and, and challenge them. And, and this book, this letter that he wrote that was later called James, it's different than a lot of the other New Testament books. When you open the New Testament and you read things by Peter or Paul or different things like that, it's written by a particular author to a particular person or a particular church dealing with, dealing with specific issues that they were trying to answer. James is more a book like James's greatest hits. It's more general in sense. It's kind of short pieces of wisdom that James is giving to believers. And his hope was like a good PT to challenge and encourage believers to actually live out what it was that they said that they believed. It was a letter written to Christians. Now, if you're, if you're not a believer here, 
if you're a person who's still kicking the tires of Christianity, I'm actually, I'm so glad that you're here because you're gonna get to hear today from a first century leader within the church about how he felt about early Christians. And one of the things I'm guessing, if, if you're still kicking the tires, one of the things that's a turnoff to you when it comes to Christians are, are people who talk one way but then live a different way, it's called hypocrisy. It probably bothers you. Well, guess what? It bothered James big time. Like he wanted people to actually walk the walk, not talk the talk. And so the challenge that he gives over and over is that kind of a challenge. So here's what I actually want to do this morning. Uh, I want us to take a look at the whole book of James. Earlier in the fall, we actually went through the book of Philippians. In the very first week, I stood up here and I read the whole book of Philippians to us. And there's something powerful, y'all, just for us as a community to sit and like listen to that much scripture together, taking it in the way the early church would have. And so I decided we were looking at the book of James at that time and I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and do that again. But I, I made a challenge to myself and I decided rather than me read it, I was gonna try to memorize it and recite it to all of you. Because there's something powerful that takes place when you memorize a book of scripture. And, uh, and so that's what I would like to do at this time. And so we're going to take a good little chunk of time right now to listen to five chapters of the book of James. It's an entirety five chapters. And here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you, all sites and venues, or if you're at home right now, take your Bibles and put them away. Because the early church would not have been looking and reading along with their Bibles. They definitely would not have been looking on their smartphones. And I'd like you to put all of those things away, and I'd like you to take this in the way the early church would have. And while you're doing it, I want you to think about these two things, two questions. One, as you listen to this, what do you resonate with? In other words, what are the places that you just want to say amen? And then what are the places as well that like, man, like it feels uncomfortable or it can feel like a challenge that is almost like a punch to the gut. And I want you to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and mark at those moments as well. Kind of wondering like, I wonder what the teaching team will say about that. So now, just to let you know, I am going to have the passage on the back wall, just in case I need a cheat sheet if I get distracted or anything like that. But I am going to now go ahead and recite the book of James for you all. The book of James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich, the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so entangles and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and does it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue. They deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man in fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, Love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. 
speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. (laughs) Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? 
Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it and deny the truth for such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a, reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on, on your pleasure. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Then you, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, <laughs> who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. <laughs> Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? <laughs> you are a, a mist that appears for a little while and then whew, vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who, who knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Now listen, you rich people. Weep 
and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth on the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived your lives in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who wasn't opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Above all else, my brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet's who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all else, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly to the Lord that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced his crops. Brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The book of James. So here's my question. What did you pick up on? What were the things that maybe at some point you wanted to say, amen? <laughs> and what were the things that you were like, oh, how? I wonder what the teaching team's gonna say about that. See, because we're all headed into physical therapy. And James's desire is that we would be people who don't just say that we're believers, but that we examine our lives and the places that we need work that we might become more like Jesus. So 
<laughs> buckle up for the next eight weeks of physical therapy. And today I'm gonna give you a little bit of PT homework between today and your next appointment. So one, I would love for you to take some time to head to the Bible Project and watch the video on James. Look, any time that you're getting ready to study a book of the Bible, you just need to go to the Bible Project and watch the video. Altogether, the one on James is about nine minutes long. You can get there through going to their website or click on YouTube. Just type in Bible Project James and this will come up and you can watch. That's one thing. The other thing is we're going to memorize the whole book of James together. I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> But we are going to memorize three verses. <laughs> Come on. All right. We can do, I, I just did five chapters, people. You can do three verses. James chapter one, verses two through four. We're going to start working on that next week together as a group. But I'm giving it to you so you can start working now, this week, getting those verses down. Because James's desire for our church is that we would be a community constantly being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. The people don't just hear it in what we say, but in the way that we live our lives. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that <laughs> you are one who is patient with us. And you desire, Father, at the same time for us to be transformed more into the people you desired for us to be from the beginning. And so as we, over these next, uh, including this week, nine weeks, as we dive into this, God, would, would you be one who in a way that you only can, like leads us to examine our own hearts and our own lives that we might walk away from this season looking differently because of the work that you do in us. So God, give us the, 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 the ability to hear the encouragement and the grace and patience to hear the challenges that we might through this become more like you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people together said.